Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Newt News Podcast. We have an absolutely loaded um, docket for you guys today. We're going to be talking about Yamamoto. We're going to be talking about potential moves the Cardinals could make as we have uh, ever since the end of the season. But the most important thing we're going to talk about today is extensions. Uh, As we talked about last episode, the Atlanta Braves have kind of like built this core together and they've extended all these guys to make sure that it stays together for the better part of a decade. And so we're really interested in seeing whether the Cardinals can copy that to start winning championships. Yeah, so um, this past week, Lars Nupar and Nolan Arenado um, were in Japan. I think they're still in Japan uh, for a little vacation, but on on their way, um, they stopped by the Oryx Buffaloes postseason game to watch uh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto make a start. Um, I don't know. Lars Nupar was wearing his jersey, so um, that is uh, pretty exciting. Um, and there's been reports that he's been trying to lure uh, Yamamoto over to St. Louis with his toasted raviolis and, and all of that. <laughs> um, so that's that's pretty exciting. So um, I don't know. What do you guys think of all that? Um, is it potential recruitment season or are they just having fun at a ball, random ball game? I mean, it's got to be a mix of both, right? Like, I don't know how much this will actually play into Yamamoto's decision, but it can't hurt. Um, I mean, having a, your, I mean, Nolan Arnott shares the same agent as Yamamoto. So having him go down there and the new bar, they already have that relationship and connection. Um, there's, it's starting to be more and more reported now that the Cardinals have a strong infrastructure over in the Japanese market. They have a working relationship with Yamamoto's team. Like, there's just a bunch of little breadcrumbs that, like, I think could be the difference maker if they actually make a competitive offer on him. I still think Yamamoto takes the highest offer. Um, but if it's the Mets and the Cardinals are throwing out the same offer, that could be something that draws him. Um, or who knows? Like I, I, you've seen with some guys who come from overseas that there's a comfortability factor that they need to, and that some of them get homesick or want to feel at home. And so it might not be come down to all the dollars in the world. Like some of these factors of having already some friends in the clubhouse people they know the history of um overseas players from asia coming over to the cardinals and some success there there could be some good some things there i don't know what you guys think more than that i would say it's more of like it can't help or it can't hurt but it definitely helps yeah i'm kind of in the same boat as josh here i'm not sure how much it helps and also i just think like to even talk about this we have to have an accurate understanding of the situation i think a lot of players or a lot of people are comparing the Yamamoto situation to the Otani situation because he's the last Japanese player to come over with so much hype. But obviously in the Otani situation, in that instance, he signed a deal that was capped at a certain dollar limit, right? Because he was coming over as an amateur. It is it, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's what was going on. So yeah. he couldn't sign for more than basically what the MLB would allow. And so that's why he's so cheap for the Angels right now or was he's about to not be um and also that's why like yamamoto isn't subject to that so i think josh is right i do think it'll be the highest bidder um but again like it could make a small difference right um also was otani over there or was new bar over there to like film some commercials initially like isn't that why he was in japan or am i wrong yeah he did have some commercials there i think he was um he's doing some golf event um in japan okay. he did he did a little um event um, with some kids uh, basically trying to promote the love of baseball, which is awesome to see um, that he's doing that. Um, yeah, there was a there was a pretty wholesome uh, picture of him with his mom doing some some Japanese ads the other day. So that's, that's mm. international superstar Lars Nupar. Like, Nupar. who would have thought back in you know twenty nineteen? <laughs> crazy. crazy. I mean, he was talking the other day in an interview about how Shohei Otani gave him a luxury brand watch. Um, so I mean. If the Cardinals are looking for a branding opportunity to sell some luxury watches, um, I feel like there's a there's a perfect opportunity with a free agent target this offseason. Yeah. Speaking of some merch, if you want to hit the lids affiliated link, talk about that product move there. So I don't know. I mean, I man, I the way 
Newport talks about Otani, you would think there would be some, I don't know, obviously it's not happening, but I would love to know if the Cardinals actually got competitive with an offer, how much he'd consider it. I mean, it's not yeah. going to happen, but I would love to know like what he thinks. So we'll see. It'd be incredible. I, I like Andrew. I would love to have Otani here, but I think Josh is right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we all we all know it's not happening. But um, anyway, um, things that might be happening. Um, we're talking about uh, Gold Glove candidates, um, and Tommy Edmond, I think, was the only Gold Glove candidate that the Cardinals have had, which is really unfortunate for a team that won like six or seven Gold Gloves just a couple yeah. years. Uh, Nolan Arenado. It's the note most notably is not going to be winning a gold glove for the first time in his career. Um, he wasn't even nominated for the third base gold glove award, which I think is really disappointing. I mean, he, he didn't have a good season defensively, like if we're being honest, but I think he probably still should have got a nod. His defense was above average. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I do think uh, Edmund does have a really strong case of the utility gold glove this year. Um, I'm surprised he won it over or Donovan won it over him last year. Um, so I think he should be going for his second one right now. Um, it's interesting though, if you look at outs above average, I think Betts is probably his biggest competition just because of the flashiness that it was this year that he moved around the diamond, but he was negative in, um, outs above average at every position bets this year, except for center field. So like, I mean, that's a, it's defensive stats are weird. Um, so I, I don't put a ton of stock into him. I think Betts is a great defender, but I think analytically, if you look, it should be Donovan's or uh, Edmonds award to lose. Um, you would hope he'd win that one. And so then the Cardinals would walk away with a gold glove this year. But the fact that Arenado wasn't like done this year, or like Carlos Santana was a first base gold glove candidate. That was weird to me. Like that Goldie could have made it in there. Who knows? But I mean, yeah, I thought I mean, Goldie like, had a better defensive season than he's had recently. Right. Yeah. Like, he was excellent. I was mm-hmm. really surprised to see Santana, who I'm sorry, like, I don't think he's bringing that much to the table defensively. I don't know. Maybe he scoops the ball really well. I, I can't, I don't think I'm very mobile, but I mean, I, this is probably a conversation for another day, but it just goes back into the conversation that the Cardinals defense was extremely weak this year. And I think there's some natural improvement will happen just with Walker getting better when at shortstop for a full sure. season, Gorman continues continuing to develop Arenado not having a terrible first half. Um, but at the same time, like that was a big concern. Um, and also probably contributed to the fact that their pitching staff was so bad. Now I think it all goes back to the quality of the starting pitching, but I think it's something to monitor going into the season. I mean, if it's you look just at- crazy how good they were a few years ago, they were one of the best defensive teams we'd ever seen. And yeah. they won a team gold glove, which was kind of a new award recently. And to go from that to this is just wild. Yeah, and I think it's underrated too. Like Tyler O'Neill played a full season that year and yeah. was, I mean, he's an incredible left fielder when he's healthy. And there's an argument that uh, I, I've kind of wrote him off of next year's roster, but there's an argument that his number, even with just his defensive value, like he's still probably worth $6 million a year. And so I think there are some weird, like some decisions that Cardinals have to make this offseason when it comes to prioritizing some yeah. defensive flexibility, um, especially what they decide to do with Edmund or Donovan in the trade market, stuff like that. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, uh, you look at Arnado's baseball savant page, and his his outs above average was 88th percentile this year, so I don't really know um, what's going on with that. Um, Goldschmidt had 82nd percentile in his outs above average as well, so, I mean, not gold glove worthy. I think Cabrian Hayes probably deserves, I mean, he, he probably deserves the platinum glove, if we're being honest, but um, probably should have still got a nod. I think this just feeds back into the idea that gold gloves aren't always all about defense. Um, (laughs) You know, there's, there's definitely like the defensive metrics matter, but the other things that matter in my opinion are your highlight reel. I think that's why Nolan Arnato last year, there are three plays that you can point to that Arnato made last year, like the jump throw in Tampa um, that, that bare hand, the threw across to Goldie to barely get someone out. Like, I mean, I feel like you guys know what I'm talking about about with these there's the third one um that he made the one where he threw over the runner's shoulder mm-hmm. like at, like it was like whizzed right by his ear um to gun someone down at the plate from uh from around the bag like that was crazy right those three plays and that's better than anything Hayes did individually even though Hayes's metrics triumphed but also like offense apparently matters and it shouldn't but it does in these awards yeah. um and just like being a good player right like that that's why people get nominated for these 
And I think that's why, and reputation. So it's not all about metrics, which is sad because um, I think you'd see Arnado and Goldie getting at least nods to like be finalists. Although I don't think either of them would be award, but I I digress. It's an imperfect system. It's hard. There are obviously there's more to just to gold glove voting than defensive metrics anyway. So. I mean, Austin Riley is below average and outs above average and arm strength this year. So I don't, I don't know what he's doing on this list, but. I guess that that proves it on a team that won a lot of games and he hit a lot of home runs. Yeah. Yeah. Gold glove, right? Team success in, in the play at the plate. So, uh, well, speaking of, you kind of talked about it earlier, Sandy, but like Austin Riley, Matt Olson, Michael Harris, Sean Murphy, Ozzy Albies, Ronald Cooney Jr. All are players that have received early extensions from the Atlanta Braves. I don't think there's any of them you could look at right now as bad deals. Um, no. I think the, right, that hit right, rate is crazy. Yeah, which I mean, it's something to keep in mind is that the the fact, like, like when you look at the Rangers and their free agency success, like they've painted out a ton of large deals. Degr- like, Degrom went has gone bad so far, but they like have a crazy high success rate. That's why they turn it around. The Braves, if you start handing out a bunch of extensions and they don't work out, it doesn't look as good. Um, but I do think the model they've set other teams around baseball is starting to, to try and replicate, whether it's the Diamondbacks, the Corbin Carroll or the Mariners of Julio Rodriguez or X, Y and Z across the board. Um, so we're going to go through and talk about some different extension candidates. Um, people we think on the Cardinals are most deserving. Um, I don't know. Do you guys want to just throw out names when we go through it or do we kind of want to go through our mocked? We talked earlier a little bit about who we would put in an order. Do we kind of want to go five through one of the order we had earlier Maybe these honorable mentions first in our top four, since that was pretty universal. Yeah, yeah let's throw out some honorable mentions first. Let's do that. Okay. My honorable mention, I'll go ahead and get out of the way, was Paul Goldschmidt. Because um, I do think at the end of the day, I I doubt that they'll let him walk. I, I just don't really see them replacing what he'll be able to offer in the lineup internally. And I don't see them trading him, which would be the way to capitalize on his value now. So I do think there's a you probably end up extending him at some point. I wouldn't prioritize it over any of the names on this list. And I also think there's a cap to the number I give Goldschmidt. I'm not handing him a bag, um, but I don't think he's looking for that either. I think you probably get him at a low 20s uh, millions if we need to on that kind of thing. It's probably a two year deal. And I think it's pretty safe. Um, I think he's got a lot, of upside, a lot of upside still. I think he rebounds. He had a really strong end of the season after a really terrible summer, which is weird for him. He was always hot in the summers, usually cold at the beginning, cold at the end. He ended up being red hot at the start, cold in the summer, and then warmer at the end of the year. So I think you bring back Paul Goldschmidt, um, two-year deal, something like a 40 to $50 million total. I don't know. What do you guys think of Paul Goldschmidt? I mean, I I think this is interesting because it's a totally different type of extension that we're going to be talking about for the most part. Because most yep. of these guys, we're talking about buying out as much of their prime as possible, and so it's, exactly it's, you know this is going to be like way lower in terms of years. Um, but I th- think you're right. I think the Cardinals should be interested in bringing Goldie back. I don't think you get better by moving on from Goldschmidt. I've seen a lot of no. Goldschmidt trade talk lately. I think trading no. him doesn't fill in holes that you have, and it opens up a new hole that you might not be able to fill in. And it also would give those put Jordan Walker at second base or at first base truthers more room. And I just hate that idea so much. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, I, I would have no issue with it. I actually think he'd be a little cheaper uh, than you have stated. Like, I think you could get Goldie on like 17 or 18 million. That'd be great. AAV. Like, I don't know. I don't think he wants to move. Goldie has a family. Um, obviously, I'd never want to be reading into what a player's thinking too much. Um, but I can't see him wanting to move again. Um, I don't know. So yeah, I think that'd be a great deal. And it's something the Cardinals should absolutely consider. And like you said, he was very good this year. Um, he underperformed his expected, his expected stats in some ways he hit the ball harder and, you know, at more optimal angles than he did last year. And it just didn't work out, you know, uh, didn't fall. So yeah. Yeah. My honorable question. Well, I was going to say, actually, I was a little bit wrong. I think he turned it on in July, but his September was actually a little bit below league average. So, yeah, I mean, it was a little bit concerning um, as a whole on the year. I don't think anyone's going to try and act like Goldschmidt had a, uh, an excellent season, but I do think he's yeah. been overhated. And I, I just don't get – if you're trading – if anyone thinks they need to trade Paul Goldschmidt right now, I think you're, you're – that doesn't make the team better in 2024. 
And I, if, if realistically, I don't think Nolan Arenado would take it. I think that would be the final straw. And he's like, send me to LA at that point. Yeah. So I, I do think you're kind of in a spot, spot where you got to keep him. And I don't really think Alec Burleson's strong enough of a player to, to be like, oh, let's move on from Paul Goldschmidt. Brendan Donovan, I guess, could be the first baseman, but I don't think that's worth it either. And the Jordan Walker is clearly the right fielder of the future. So none of those options make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my honorable mention was Tommy Edmond. Uh, I know Victor Scott's coming. He's waiting um, in center field, and that's really exciting. But um, Tommy Edmond just holds down a lot of different positions. Um, and we all know this season, especially how bad injuries can get, especially towards the end of the season. Um, and Tommy Edmond, he was hurt for a little bit, but um, if he's not hurt, he holds down second base, shortstop, center field, whatever you want, really. He can play the other outfield corners as well. Um, and he was my spark plug um, when we gave out uh, end of season awards. I just think he always jolts the team when, when the team is um, going through like bad stretches. He'll hit a walk. He'll hit so many walk offs. Um, like just, I can think of like three or four Tommy Edmund walk offs um, that were just so exciting. Even when the team is like down, um, and he'll he'll just um, get that clutch hit for you. And I just think. Um, yeah, a lot, there's a lot, a lot of trade talk. So if we can get something good for him, that, that would be awesome as well. Um, get a good starting pitcher, but, um, I think he is expiring on an expiring contract at the end of the year. Um, is that right? Um, so, um, and in 2025, so he's got two years left. Okay. Two more years left. Um, but I think if we can hold on to him for a little bit longer, maybe like a two or three year extension, that's the most I would give him. Not like some of these other players where we want to ex- extend them like the Braves, um, but that's why he's my honorable mention. I think before Sajazi, I would have been more in with you. But I think to me, Sajazi proved and like this guy coming over, I wasn't saying, oh, my gosh, he's definitely going to be a regular at some point. But after watching him and getting like really a front row seat to what he's capable of, I just think he's got a higher ceiling than Edmund. And so for me, I'd be OK moving on from Edmund. I don't think Edmund plays the defense that Wynn is going to play in the future now. Edmund's a great defender, don't get me wrong, but I think he's a great defender at second, not yeah. really at short anymore. But maybe I'm wrong. Like Edmund could win a gold glove this year and he could prove me wrong. And maybe Tommy Edmund could go immediately be a platinum glove caliber shortstop again. Um, you know, I never know. But I just kind of think he's really expendable. And I think if you lock up Edmund, then you're committing to trading Sajazi or Donovan. And I really don't want them to trade Donovan because as we'll talk about Gorman later, but he's not going anywhere. Yeah. So I think you also look at Edmund this year, like this was a really bad year at the play. He was 90 and 92 percent or 92 uh, WRC plus. So 8 percent below league average at the plate. He was worth 2.3 war, which is nice over 140 games, but that was a major step back from last year. And like for context, like Donovan had a 2.1 war and played in 50 less games. Um, uh, Paul Dion is almost only, only a uh, worth one war less. Um, I just think like Edmund's strengths you find in other people on the roster. Like you assume Victor Scott's going to come up at some point, and like his. Like you already know he's going to be an elite base stealer and you already know he's going to be an elite defensive center fielder. And so I like I think those are the things you bank on with Tommy. Now, could Tommy technically be a better hitter? Sure. But I don't think it's like enough of a gap that you worry about the step back. I think the same for Mason Wynn. Like even if Wynn really struggles at the plate, I think his defense will be good enough that you can manage him as your nine hole hitter for the whole for the year. And by the time if it's really bad and the deadline comes around, you bring a veteran shortstop in for half a season or so JC's that answer. Um, and the second base, you have Brendan Donovan, and Nolan Gorman. So I do think it's interesting too. Edmonds probably going to make in the seven million dollar range this year too. So he's no longer cheap anymore. Like that's not expensive, but he's also not making league league minimum like Brendan Donovan or Nolan Gorman are. And I just don't think his his value is probably at its highest right now as a trade asset. And so I think you cash in on that. Um, I don't I don't think it'd be a bad idea to extend him. I just. I don't think his strengths are as needed anymore. And I also think those are things that'll deteriorate over time. Like I don't think he'll become a bad defender, but I don't know if he'll be this elite and then yep. his speed will taper off over time. I know he mashes lefties, but that's like 25% of the league. Um, so I just think, and you've got your whole lineup really mashes lefties. So I don't think you like, you need this guy. Like you've got, Dylan Carlson can mash lefties. If you keep Tyler Neal, he can do that. Obviously, Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt, Wilson Contreras do that. So 
I just think he's more valuable as a trade chip. But I love Tommy Emma, though. It's not a hate yeah. on Tommy Emma. I just think they have so many good middle infielders that, and even even long term center field, New Bar, Carlson. I think you can get by with those two until um, Victor Scott's ready. And that's not even to mention a lot of the depth options the Cardinals have, where it's like, I really do wonder if Nick Dunn got plate appearances, how much worse the plate would he really be than Tommy Edmond? Nick Dunn had a 940 OPS in a large sample size at AAA last year. How much yeah. worse would Cesar Prieto be? And is Cesar Prieto a better base runner at this point in his career than Tommy Edmond is now? I mean, it's like, I think you're right. I think you can cobble together Tommy Edmond using surplus of other players on the roster at this point. Yeah. And that's not to say he's totally expendable. Like you said, we love Tommy, but it's a crowded situation. And if one guy needs to go, I do think Tommy might be the guy. I mean, right-handed Tommy Edmund is just Barry Bonds, so I don't know. Uh, I'm <laughs> a big believer. If he if he goes Cedric Mullen style and he just bats right-handed, he might be the best hitter on the team. No, uh, we can go on to the next honorable mention now. Hey, that'd be kind of cool. But for me, this is going to be a little bit controversial, I think. Uh, if it's not controversial here, it'll be controversial among fans. So prepare. But I think the Cardinals should extend Giovanni Gallegos again. He's coming off of the worst season of his career. So why do I think they should extend him? It's because they're just pitchers like Giovanni Gallegos don't grow on trees. Here's my argument. Okay, Gallegos has been with the Cardinals now for five seasons, parts of six seasons, actually, if you count the short in 2018 he spent with us um, over those first four seasons. So 2019 through 2022, four full seasons, 228 innings pitched. Oh, my goodness. A 284 ERA, 142 ERA plus. He was very quietly like a top 10 reliever in all of baseball. And he took a step backwards last year, but I've written about this at length. I've argued about this with people at length. I think Giovanni Gallegos was one of the most poorly managed players in all of baseball last year. By that, I mean, it's really simple. When Giovanni Gallegos doesn't have it, he doesn't have it. So pull him and don't wait. Um, He gave up multiple home runs in every appearance that he gave up a home run last year. So it felt really simple to me the fourth time around to just not leave him in, but instead they let him give up three. So that was wild. Um, but again, pitchers like him don't grow on trees. By that, I mean, you just don't find relievers who are good year in, year out for long stretches. Reliever is such a volatile position. I would argue there's more inter-year volatility between relievers than any position in baseball and maybe any position in American sports. Uh, it's really difficult to find guys with consistency over multiple years. And if the, you can get that in geo and you can get it cheap, I say you jump on that. Yeah, I don't, I, I, I won't like... I'm not a strong disagree on it. I think the part that I would wait on is he still has a club option for 2025 at six and a half yeah. million. So I, I wouldn't be in a rush to extend him again um, because he'll be entering age 34 at 20 at 2026. And that's still pretty, I mean, he's probably still got three more years after that as a reliever, but I don't know what kind of number he's going to be looking at right now. If it's six or below, I don't think it's a big deal. Um, but if he's wanting to go higher than that or want like two to three years added on, I don't know how much I'd love that idea. Um, Andrew, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but I would rather turn the conversation to Ryan Helsley as an honorable mention, um, than Giovanni Gallegos. Yeah. I mean, Gallegos, I've shared my thoughts on, on here. I think we're kind of on opposite ends on where we feel about Gallegos. Like, yeah, if you, if, if he looks like he's bad, you can pull him, but there's a three batter minimum now. Like you, you can, you can do a lot of damage three batters, like in the, like I bring it up all the time when I talk about Gallegos, but the WBC semifinal, double to Otani, then you walk um, Yoshida, and then uh, Murakami hits a, a walk-off double, and the game's over. Oh, look at that. Um, that's really, really tough. Um, and that was all just three batters. Um, so sometimes you don't have the leeway to, to let Gallegos run that that far. And I feel like for a reliever who I, I believe to be extremely poor uh, in clutch situations, I, I don't – I don't hate seeing him in like the seventh or the eighth. It makes me nervous every time he's out there because you never know what you're going to get with him, but he's not someone I'm I'm going out to, to extend right away. Well, to your point, Sandy, though, I'm looking, he ranks 35th in baseball in reliever uh, salary, which that means, I mean, anyone who's ranked above him has a post um, six year contract. Like they, they've been in the league while, so they have their free agent contracts. So that's really good value. Um, Cause I mean, you could pull up, you could say like uh, until this year, Josh Hader, it's like, well, he was, he was through arbitration. Like you're not 
like those i mean and he may probably made more than gallegos through arbitration but like those like you can't just like sign a 22 year old reliever who just came up for eight hundred thousand dollars doesn't happen so that's great value for a guy in free agent so if he wants like five to six million i think the value is great there um i guess i just don't know what his price point is i think with geo you'd be looking at something where you say hey um, we'll turn the club option into just like a, we'll, we'll lock that down. So you're not thinking you might be out of the job. And if you do that, you lock it down at the same salary it's at, or maybe raise it slightly. You say like, okay, we'll buy out your club option for, you know, that plus $250,000. And then we'll throw on another year at 5.5. Like, I don't see how he doesn't take that. Um, guaranteeing more money to a guy who's a reliever where anything can go wrong in an instant, even a guy like Gio who's proven consistency. I think he probably takes that. Yeah, that makes sense. But Helsley, that's, that's very interesting. Tell me about that. I just think like, again, reliever volatility is tough, but I mean, again, last year was an all like, honestly, like it wasn't an all time reliever season, but if you go look at some of his metrics, like compared to the top reliever se- individual reliever seasons, it was up there in like some of the top 100 seasons, which oh, yeah. I mean, hundreds of relievers pitch a year. So like, that's a really good thing. Um, and then when he came back from his injury, uh, he looked like himself again. Mm-hmm. And so I just think if you could buy out one or two years of free agency from Helsley, get him on a short, I want to give him like super long-term deal, but I think he's got two years left of control. So you give him a four or five year deal. You assume that one, maybe two of those years, he might not be great, um, but he'll probably be good enough. And then you get probably three elite years out of him. I think that's worth it in this market for a reliever. Yeah. Um, Helsley, I feel like I trust a lot more than guy goes. Yeah. He had the blow up in the playoffs, but he was hurt um, during that outing. Um, he has also a lot more exciting stuff than than Gallegos. He he goes up to 103 um, at certain points. Um, yeah, I don't I don't see why not. I think the holdup might be on Helsley's end because there might have been some some arbitration um, stuff going on uh, between him and the organization. He did actually tweet that like someone someone uh, quote, quoted him saying like that he was frustrated the organization or like complete misquoted, and then he like quote tweeted that, and I thought that was pretty funny. He's like, I don't recall ever saying that. yeah yeah i'm with you like helsley's pure stuff is among the best in baseball very very difficult to do what he does um and he has multiple pitches that are incredible so they play off each other really well and yeah if we could have his 2022 every year like anyone in the world would take that one of the best seasons ever like you said so i'm with you i'd be fine buying helsley out and i think when you're the cardinals you just have to remember that you're not the rays the Cardinals can't get by building a bullpen that consists only of guys making league minimum because we, for some reason, just have trouble finding those arms. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think it's okay to reach into free agency with these guys and pay your bullpen a little bit. And also that helps you not make the mistakes that the Cardinals have made in the past, because when the Cardinals bring in relievers, generally it goes really poorly. I can point to Andrew Miller, Luke Gregerson, Greg Holland, Brett Cecil. I mean, the list goes on and on. And even the guys that they bring in that succeed, like a Bud Norris, there were other problems. There were off the field issues when Bud Norris was here. I know he and Jordan Hicks got into it a few times. Um, So they really seem to struggle in that department. And so I'm totally with you guys extending relievers for me, uh, a big yes for the Cardinals when it might not be a yes for every team. Yeah, and I think if you look at like payroll of the uh, Astros and the Phillies this year, they allocate a pretty good amount of dollars to their uh, bullpen. It's not crazy, but they have a couple of those five to nine million dollar deals in their bullpen, yeah. and they both have a reliever that's paid over ten million dollars. And so it's not every bull and not every elite bullpen you have to spend a lot of money on, but unless you can really trust yourself like the Rays, you gotta spend on the guys you know are good. So okay, moving into the top four extension candidates. Uh, we all had these guys in our top five and they ranked out average out to be our top four. And it makes sense they're the guys that most people would point to on the young end. Um, Brendan Donovan came out as our fourth guy on average. Um, I think I had him ranked as the fourth guy and you guys had him ranked both as your third. And I love Brendan Donovan. I just mean, I feel like I've been a truther of him lately. Um, on on the season, he had a 118 WRC plus, and he was, I think 148 WRC plus from late May until when he was shut down with injury plays all over the field. Um, you can compare him as a, from a, um, weighted runs created. He's the same as Kyle Schwarber over the last two years, which I'm not saying he's a better hitter than Kyle Schwarber, but like he's like, that's the kind of value that Brendan Donovan brings to your lineup. 
while also playing all over the field, uh, at least league average or above average defense at, at pretty much every position besides center field and catcher. Um, shortstop, he's probably below league average, but like you can plug him there. Um, I just think he's a guy that you just can can count on to be good every year. Um, and I I think there's more coming. I think he's shown that with the bat. And when he gets a full season under his uh, under his belt, I think people will stop take seeing him as kind of like this. Like in in like I think there's some Cardinals Nation who think he's a little bit overrated. I think he's highly underrated. And I think all of baseball is going to see. I think baseball really values him already. I think he's a guy that could obviously last offseason the oakland oakland and uh, toronto really wanted him um there are teams that are going hard after brenda donovan i think he's very valuable i'm totally with you donovan's winning a grand slam and i'm depressed i just was gonna say that real quick oh who did the, the Adelise Garcia. Yikes. No, yeah that's an extension for Canada. Ugh. i mean but, he, he might have been an extension candidate i mean that's what the truthers will say but um anyway yeah, the people that forget his 52 WRC plus with the Cardinals. And remember when he tripped coming around third and then everyone was like, why is he even on the team? Trade him right now. Those people are the same people that are saying, I can't believe the Cardinals missed this obvious talent. Yeah. Um. But anyway, Donovan's a winner. And that's that's what I see in him. Um. A lot of people were saying that he took a step back back this year just looking at the season-wide numbers but what josh said makes a lot of sense right he got so much better as the year went on he was one of the best hitters in the league which is okay so when you think about his offseason right where all he did was talk about adding bat speed adding power and we saw the power play in spring training it was pretty exciting when we saw that power start to click that last month that he was healthy so obviously donovan is not going to be that 148 wrc plus guy all the time moving forward because that's you know almost mvp production but i do think he can be a 130 guy you see it someone with elite bat to ball skills who just added a lot of power and then he flashed that power not only in spring training but during the regular season remember all the work he did with driveline really exciting to see that and like josh said the defensive flexibility and he's above average at most of those positions yeah this is something the cardinals should be jumping on quickly yeah, I mean, you look at WRC plus rankings this year too. Like, if he's a one thirty guy, that puts him like eighteenth in baseball, above Luis Robert, right behind Brandon Nimmo. Like, he's just an he's just a v- extremely valuable hitter. And so, even if he is sits around one twenty with the defensive flexibility he has, that's a winning player. You need that kind of player yeah. in your lineup every single day. And if you lock him up now, that contract's not going to be crazy. Uh, so, I think that's part of the appeal here too. Versus some other names on this list is. You, the kind of number you're looking at for Donovan, it's not the Julio Rodriguez deal or even the Corbin Carroll deal. Yeah. It probably looks like Michael Harris or less than that. Um, and especially kind of the elbow injury too. Maybe he's like, oh, I want some security here. So, Well, and the crazy thing is like, there are going to be years in which he's a better hitter than Julio Rodriguez. And and you're going to get him so much cheaper because he just doesn't have like the, the things those guys have when they came up, right? Donovan wasn't even in the Cardinals top 30 when yeah. he debuted, which like, amazing ultimate devil magic player brendan donovan um but yeah i'm i'm all in on a donny extension yeah oh last thing i'm sorry i wanted to say this earlier i remember back after the astros won their first championship when marwin gonzalez hit free agency uh i remember a lot of people talking about who needed him and i promise i'll connect this um they said oh you know a lot of teams don't need marwin gonzalez um because what he is is he's the icing on the cake of a championship team And that's what people called him. Hmm. They said he's a guy that's going to play all over. He's going to be a utility guy, probably be a well above league average hitter, but he's not going to play one position every day. He might not even be a regular, Um, but they called him like a championship player. And I think Brendan Donovan is of a similar mold in the sense of like a really good team needs Brendan Donovan's. And if the Cardinals want to be that, like you need him. And he's really, those guys do not grow on trees. They're really hard to find. Couldn't agree more. I mean, 2017, Marwin Gonzalez hit to a 907 OPS. I mean, I have I, there's a Houston Astros logo on my trash can for a reason, but um, I, I don't know. Um, that, that that was an outlier season, but yeah, he, he he was a very very good player. Yeah, I mean, I think you see in like the Matt Carpenter types, the Ben Ben Zobris types. Like, there's just not every team ends up having one like that, but like they are invaluable when you have them. So Brendan Donovan's easily number easily a top four extension candidate. You could argue higher on the list, but it's just why there's a core four guys that make a lot of sense here. 
Well, uh, next on our list is uh, someone that Andrew hates because he calls him the next Paul DeYoung. It is Nolan Gorman. We'll add some context to that in a second. But Nolan Gorman, I think, clearly is a guy um, that has a ton of potential. And you see the postseason right now. Speaking of a left-handed bat like Brendan Donovan, Nolan Gorman, I mean, left-handed bats win baseball games. And the amount of power this guy has, his eye for the plate already, like he's... He's got a great feel for the strike zone, even for a guy that strikes out a lot. Like, I think it's more of just him being aggressive rather than not knowing the zone very well. Um, he hits the ball super hard. And I do think like he sh- he showed this year that when he's when he's right, he can also be a decent average guy too. So he's not just home run or bust. I don't think he's going to be hitting 300 any season, but could he hit 260 in a good year? I think so. Um, and give you 30, maybe 40 home runs. Like, Yeah. And he's improving at second base defensively. He's a guy that long-term too, like if you have to transition to third base, uh, Nolan, Nolan Arnata won't be here forever. The DH spot's open, first base. Like, I just think there's a lot there. And I think when you think of like a future contending Cardinal team, I think it's hard to imagine them winning a World Series in the next few years without Nolan Gorman having clutch postseason moments. Like, you just imagine him as being one of those guys that's going to be a difference maker in a game five of the NLCS. And so when you see a guy like that, you can clearly see this is the kind of guy who could win me a championship. You extend those guys. Um, And he's early enough in that he's proven enough to get the contract, but he hasn't proven enough to get paid like handsomely. And so I think you could probably get him on a decent value too. I'm with you. I love everything you just said. Also hilarious that you just attacked Andrew as soon as he's not here to defend. <laughs> right off the cuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Just a bit of context of what Andrew said um, before I provide my own input here. Andrew basically said something along the lines of when we were talking about this beforehand, he's wary of the Nolan Gorman hype. He doesn't like that he strikes out as much as he does. And I get that. I'm pretty strikeout averse myself. Um, but he can he compared his first couple seasons to the first couple seasons of Paul DeYoung. And like for those of you that don't remember, because you the recency bias of how bad Paul DeYoung was post-2019. Uh, it's pretty strong. But before that, Paul DeYoung was a really good player. And when the Cardinals gave him that contract, it made a lot of sense. It was the, definitely the right move. It felt like a bargain. It felt like the type of deal that, you know, could really hurt Paul DeYoung um, because it might keep him away from free agency when he was looking like he was going to be in one of those really strong shortstop classes. Yeah. Um. So is is that the same with Gorman? No, I'm going to refute that and say no. I think Gorman has a lot of things DeYoung just didn't have. Paul DeYoung has power. Nolan Gorman has power. Those are yeah. two different things. When you look at so Nolan Gorman this year, 405 at bats. Kyle Schwarber this year, 585 at bats. So he's getting about 67 to 69 percent of Kyle Schwarber's at bats. Gorman hit about 30 bombs. Schwarber hit about 45. Like that's pretty similar power numbers right there. Now, am I saying that? Oh yeah, had you given him you know 600 at bats, he was definitely going to hit 45 homers. No, but I'm also saying that it averages out to that. So he might have. If those rate stats stay the same, that's incredible. You're talking about a guy who's going to hit. I mean, I, I do think at some point in his career, he's going to hit 45 or 50 homers. Look at the way his stats um, improved across the board between his rookie season and this year. And also, um, I know I'm kind of going all over here, but something that made me upset with Gorman in his rookie season was people were so quick to write him off when in reality he had a fine rookie season, 104 mm-hmm. OPS plus yeah. um, still hit 15 bombs and only 280 plate appearances. But the way those numbers jumped this year, 27 homers, um, a better, better average there. Average jumps 10 points on base jumps 30 slugging jumps 60. That leads to an 80 point percent in OP or uh, per, uh, 80 point increase in OPS, yeah. 13 point increase in OPS plus. And we're talking about a guy who's only 23. Now he's a good fielder. He might get even better. Yeah, this is a guy you lock down. Um, feel very strongly about it. We're going to say this about a lot of guys because the yeah. Cardinals have a lot of young, exciting position player talent. Exactly. And any of these top four guys you talk about, you can make an argument to be the number one guy. So I think Absolutely. you're just you're you're combing through hairs at this point to try and figure out who's actually the number one guy. And being at 18% above league average bat in your second season, especially with how bad of a June he had, like he's probably a 25 to 30% above league average if he doesn't have this just like, I mean, he just looked like he didn't even belong in single A during June. It was so bad. It was bad. And, it was I mean, bad. That's, 
you don't, I mean, you, I mean, even through the minor leagues, he's always been a streaky hitter. So you're going to have to take the good with the bad with Corman, but you just, you expect his highs to be even higher than they have been lately at, during the, um, the future. But then you also are kind of expecting his lows to ne- not be that low. And so you, you'll probably average out to, I mean, I next year, I'm kind of expecting him to at least be 125 um, WRC plus hitting 30 plus home runs. I mean, he hit 27 and 120 games with cold stretches. Like I think he's going to hit 35, potentially 40 next year that strikeout rate comes down even below 30%, man, you've got a scary hitter. Um, And I I just think he belongs in that third spot right between Goldie and Arenado to do the most damage. And so Nolan Gorman's the number two guy, Um, the number one or number or number three guy, number two guy on our list. Andrew and I both had number one, you had number five. So I'm interested to see how this goes around. I feel a little bit differently. Yes. new bar. And so I'll go off the top for me and Andrew. I think, I mean, just the, the fact that the Cardinals have had a revolving door in the outfield for so long and large new bar is probably the most dependable guy you have right now. Left-handed bat again, he brings, he's probably the best mix of power and on-base skills out of the three left-handed bats they have right now. So you have that. He can play center field, which is really important, but he's probably best in a corner outfield long-term. And so you don't want him necessarily be your center fielder, but your pro your lineup projects even better if he is. Um, and then the marketability, I think that's something fun. And I think it's helpful for the organization and he's just a great clubhouse presence. And so I think where you're going to go with this is probably where I think it's a little interesting is I don't know what that dollar number looks like. I don't think it's a crazy number, um, but it's going to be higher in my opinion than what, um, Brendan Donovan and Ron Gorman would get And AAV wise. It could be higher than what a Jordan Walker would get. So I do think there's. It, there's some risk with that and some um or maybe not as high of a payoff with paying him early like it might not be as like donovan gorman walker you might get a higher like return on your investment if you yeah. extend now while new bar you might like just make sure you keep him but you don't really save a lot so i see both ways but i just think he's probably the most like I think out of the four he's probably actually the safest in my opinion to uh go ahead and extend maybe donovan um but I, I just really like Lars Newbar on his team. No, I, I understand all of that. And like, I love Lars Newbar. Right? Like, <laughs> I'm a member of a podcast named after him. I love <laughs> Lars Newbar. I can't say that enough. But there are two problems with that extension. And it's not that I don't want Lars Newbar extended. If the deal is right, yes, extend him right now. Right? Like, obviously, the transaction freeze. But extend him immediately if the deal is right. I'm all in on him. My problems are you have to do it immediately so you don't get time to sit on it, right? Like, yeah. if you don't extend Nolan Gorman this year, that's fine. He'll get more expensive, but he's not going to immediately go nuclear and become exorbitant. Lars Newpar, if you don't extend him this year and he is even good next year, like, he's going to get very, very, very expensive. Yeah. Um, I think that's the issue. I think the fact that there's no time to wait for, you know, someone like me who – I would say, like, if I was a GM, I'd be a very, very cautious GM. And that's something I like about Mosaloc. I think Mosaloc's really careful, very deliberative. Um, so this just feels like the type of move that would be pretty aggressive um, because it would have to be aggressive. You have to make it now. Another problem is I think Newpark knows his value um, better than all of these guys. And that's because he's more proven, um, but also because Newpark was doubted so much, I think, when he came up. And I think he plays with that energy. And I think he knows that he has gone from being somebody that people saw not even as a fourth. Um, there were people wondering why, why give up Lane Thomas instead of Lars Newpar at the time said, Oh, you know, a Lars Newpar trade. Was interesting. Because I don't think he has any value to the St. Louis Cardinals at one point he has this year. Um, so I think Lars Newpar knows now that he's gone from that to regional superstar. I think he knows his value and I don't think he's going to be, um, and I'm not saying the Cardinals should be swindling players, but he's not going to be swindled. Um, yeah. that might be something you get. And, and like with these other guys, I think you, if you put life-changing money in front of Jordan Walker, he probably says yes. But if you put life-changing money in front of Lars Newbar, I think he says, I'm close to free agency. I know my worth. I'm going to go get an absolute bag somewhere. Yeah, Sandy, with your with Lars Newbar there, just I think you want to extend him now. Like You have to extend him now if you're going to get any kind of discount on him. Otherwise, if you're waiting till after next season, you're at this point probably paying for what you hope he can c- continue to become. 
or maintain him rather than like a lot of these extensions, especially the, the other three, you're hoping to get a major discount on. And so I think that's a, it, a lot of this will just depend on, is he willing to like, he knows his worth, but does he want to be in St. Louis? Um, and is, does he value the the stability long-term or does he bet on himself more? I feel like he's a guy that'll bet on himself, um, but we'll see. Okay. So the uh, last extension candidate for us, we all had him as our second ranked guy. And I think he's probably the most likely guy to actually accept an, an extension would be Jordan Walker. Sandy, why do you think Jordan Walker is such a valuable extension candidate at this point? Yeah. So, I mean, the only guy I had over him was Gorman. Um, and I expounded on how much I love Gorman earlier, uh, but Walker, he's the best prospect the Cardinals have produced in a long time. Yeah. Um, and he had a great rookie season, right? We're talking about how good Gorman was this year. Walker was about that good and two years younger and with less experience in the league and a bigger sample size. Yep. Um, so Walker did pretty much everything right um as a 21 year old offensively and he had some cold stretches as well um we saw him get sent down people criticized that move i actually think it worked out really well um so not only is walker great at the plate he seems like he's going to be a good defender so he was horrible in april and may and june and july and august but then in september he looked a lot better and it was a gradual progression through the year that people who were just watching the errors and just watching the misplays might not have noticed um, but if you paid attention, you could see Walker get more comfortable through the year. Um, his first step got so much better. He he was just so much better at reading the ball by the end of the season. And that's just what happens for a 21-year-old who comes into the season with less than 50 games of experience at a position. He gets better. These guys are professional athletes. I think people forget that all the time. And not only that, Jordan Walker is an athlete among athletes. Yeah. He is he's a specimen. Uh, on top of all that. He just seems incredibly dedicated. Um, he has all the intangibles that you're looking for in a guy. And I would never make that the number one argument for why you keep somebody around, but it helps. And so all of that considered, like, yeah, you lock this guy up. Um, this is exactly what the Braves did with Acuna. They said, hey, Acuna's the best prospect we've produced in who knows how long. And he sort of proved himself in his first season, and then the Braves locked him up, and now he's winning an MVP. Yep. That's what you do when you produce someone with this kind of talent. And it's not just internally the Cardinals are saying this. All of baseball said this. Jordan Walker ascended to the number one spot on MLB's top 100. Like the Cardinals haven't had that impact talent in a while. We haven't seen somebody reach number one. And it was a consensus number one. They had him ranked ahead of guys like Corbin Carroll, ahead of guys like Henderson, ahead of guys like Jackson Churio. And so that matters. And that's something the Cardinals need to jump on now. Yeah. And you look, I mean, he's a 116 WRC plus guy on the year and he had his cold stretches, yep. but then the last two months of the season, that was 126. He had a 356 OBP, 470 slugs. So like the power was starting to show as well, which is something that's why they sent him down because he's not going to be that elite talent if he's hitting the ball into the ground so often. Yep. He's hitting those line drives, those fly balls. You can see that he's going to be an elite hitter. Um, <clears throat> and I really do think like he out of, like you said, Brendan Donovan and Nolan Gorman, you could probably wait another offseason and they're probably going to still not be terribly different in price wise. I think Walker could potentially like shoot up in value after oh, yeah. this season um, because I think he'll show that he's going to be a future, at least above league average corner outfielder with insane pop um, hits for a great average too already, which is awesome coming up. You're not really worried about him being a guy that's going to slump into 230, 240. Yeah. Like he's going to hit 280, 290, probably 300 at his very best takes the walks, hits for power. What else could you want? And <clears throat> I just think he's the, you also trust the work that, like you said, the intangibles too. He's comes from a great family. seems like an incredible guy. You don't really think he's going to take the bag and then start to play awful. He's a guy that genuinely, lo genuinely loves baseball. And yeah. I just think it's, I, I said new bar is probably the safest in my opinion of the guys you could extend, but as a hitter, I think Jordan Walker is the safest where I just don't think, I think his floor as a hitter is probably higher than Donovan Gorman and new bar. Um, and yeah. he just has the ceiling of a future league MVP type guy. Now, do I think he'll, I mean, that's high expectations, but perennial all-star Jordan Walker, I think has that written all over him. Absolutely. And I just think like his floor 
is probably higher than he like better than what he was this year. And he was a really good hitter this year. Yeah. Um, you talk about a guy that is no longer like an absolute drain in the outfield. You look at the war from this year and it's like, oh, you know, he was only worth barely worth positive war, but that's really impressive because his defense was that bad for yeah. a lot of the season. Um, you know, he was probably worth about two O war this year as a rookie. That's amazing. And I mean, he was the thing he was most like most praised for during his time in the minor leagues was that power tool. And so seeing that he did most of this without that power tool really showing, like that tells you how well-rounded of a hitter he is. He's a guy that could hit 30, 35 homers um, and still bat 290. And those guys are rare. We don't see them all the time. Yeah. That's the nice thing about him is you're, he's not a power guy. We are trying to train to hit the ball. He is a guy with all the power in the world who already knows how to have some elite bat to ball skills. And so like, I just think it's a matter of time before he goes from, I think people, I mean, a lot of people still haven't projected as a 2025 home run guy um, for a long time. I just think once he figures out the launch angle a little bit better and starts lifting the ball a little bit more consistently, that's a 30 plus home run guy Oh yeah, with the high average with the OBP. I just, I mean, especially as you're thinking of the future of this team, you think of the continued development of Walker and Gorman as a three, four in your lineup, Donovan, new bars, your one, two, oof, this team could be really good. And I think you can hit a special sweet spot in 2024, 2025, where you still have a Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arnado, and Wilson Contreras in the middle of your order with these guys ascending. This lineup could be very dangerous. Uh, and, and one more thing that I just think we should have touched on more with Walker already in this conversation is those elite exit velocities. To be 20 years old when he came up and hitting the ball 115 miles an hour, that's just unheard of. And that's something he did all year. I mean, I can think of a ton of instances in which I saw Jordan Walker flies out sharply to left field. I look at it, it's like 117 miles an hour. Yeah. Like you said, once that launch angle changes, you're talking about a guy that's hitting 30 homers. Yeah. Well, I think that's, I mean, like we said, there's a lot of extension candidates on this team. The top four, easy. I think, I mean, if you're looking at the Braves model, you got to go after those four guys as soon as possible. Um, If you can even get two of those guys this offseason done, I think that's huge. And I actually wouldn't mind if, if part of the reason they don't spend a ton, like if they need to spend on those top two guys, but if they cut a little back on that third guy or something, because they've finished some extensions here, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, so I, and I, I wouldn't even mind him doing some of those ancillary guys that we talked about, but let us know your extension candidates. Do you agree? Disagree? Is there guys you would rank higher, lower guys? You're like, are you out on these extensions in general? I know some people don't love the idea of extending people early. Are you like extend Victor Scott's of the world? Are you in the minor league uh, realm? Let us know what you think on that. Um, as always, click the lids affiliated link. If you're looking at some major league baseball and stuff, I mean, Adolfo Garcia looks like he might be in American league. <laughs> Um, championship series MVP. So maybe you can rep some of that as we go through um, or Jordan Montgomery, who knows, um, or get ready for your sunny gray Cardinals Jersey, because we are speaking that into existence um, or your celebrate your Jordan Walker extension with the Jersey, you know, um, we'll be back next week and we've got a lot of fun. We're planning to do a lot of some fun, some stuff, fun stuff this off season with guests and off season talk. And so subscribe new news, YouTube, all the audio podcast platforms you do, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, we're everywhere. Um, And we'll see you guys next time.